You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Just like that. The second hour is here. Outkick 360 rolls on on this Friday edition. John McClain from Gallery Sports will join us in 20 minutes. We'll hit some NFL discussion points from across the league. Take a look ahead for the Super Bowl as well, plus the coaching searches. Um, Tommy Reese is headed to Tuscaloosa to be the new offensive coordinator, replacing uh, Bill O'Brien for Nick Saban at Alabama. So there's now an OC opening at Notre Dame, where the young up-and-coming coordinator, Tommy Reese, uh, back and forth season where I believe they ranked 60th nationally in points scored, uh, in offense, I should say, and now he's headed to run the offense that will have a different look to it without Bryce Young at quarterback, that is for sure. It'll still be really, really good, no doubt. And normally when you pass through Tuscaloosa, you're on to great things. Todd Grantham had the opportunity to be the defensive coordinator at Bama. He is now going to go to the NFL, to the New Orleans Saints. Um, former defensive coordinator, what, Florida, Georgia, Louisville, um, Mississippi State, I believe. And Saban was looking to bring him in. He's now going to the Saints. Reese, though, he's taking the job. He's the new OC in Alabama. So speaking of you know former Alabama OCs that go on to good things, um, I mean, I'm just off the top of my head, Lane Kiffin goes from there mm-hmm. uh, to Florida Atlantic and eventually to Ole Miss. Steve Sarkeesian spends yeah. his time in between coaching at USC the, to then getting the Texas job. Bill O'Brien, able to go to Alabama for a couple of years, get back in the NFL and coach for his old, old boss, Bill Belichick, in New England. Mike Loxley was there for, I think, a year as the full-time OC and not assistant OC, and then he gets the Maryland job. I mean, the list goes on and on. Brian Dayball, you know, goes for one year one. and then goes to the Bills, and now he's the head coach of the New York <laughs> Giants. So I understand the career trajectory for Tommy Reese and what he wants ultimately, but, man, this is disheartening if you're just a college football fan. And I say that for this reason. I, I saw the news last night. Tommy Reese is getting on a plane in South Bend to go back to Tuscaloosa to interview for the Alabama job, and my first thought was, well, he's gone. Yeah. There's no way he's going to stay at Notre Dame. Thirty-nine, or excuse me, a thirty-year-old offensive coordinator. When he decided to stay on and stay with Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame, twenty-nine years old, and at twenty-nine years old, he decided to stay at his alma mater to coach for an unknown head coach, as opposed to going to Baton Rouge to coach with the guy that coached him in college, and Brian Kelly, who's a very accomplished head coach. Didn't go to LSU, stayed. At Notre Dame with the unknown. And my thought was, he's a Notre Dame guy. He believes in Marcus Freeman. He's going to stay there a long time. And a year later, Nick Saban comes calling. And what happens? He bolts. He's gone. This is not a criticism of him for making this decision to leave. But if Tommy Reese can be had as a former Notre Dame quarterback who stayed and did not go with Brian Kelly to instead stay 
and coach with Marcus Freeman, who can't Nick Saban hire? That's not a head coach, I'm saying. Right, yeah. There's a lot, tons of sitting head coaches wouldn't leave for a coordinator position, but who would be safe in that regard? We know the Washington coach turned him down, the offensive coordinator Which is there. extremely rare, right? But Ryan Grubb. Man, that is just Ryan Grubb. crazy. Uh, now Notre Dame's got a search on their hands. Yeah, and they could, uh, you know, he could pull from within, right? But also, you know, that that's also a good gig. With the quarterback coming in and Sam Hartman, yeah, I mean that, that's also uh, a program that can go and you know hire some of the best offensive minds, young offensive minds. Um, he is the youngest offensive coordinator at Alabama since Major Applewhite was there with Saban. I believe he was twenty-eight, and Reese Tommy Reese is thirty as he's taking over at Bama. Yeah, and Colin Warner, our radio producer and resident Fighting Irish man was mentioning some in-house candidates or candidate that could step into that role as offensive coordinator for Marcus Freeman. We'll see what decision he makes. With the first one, he, he stuck with someone there and, and, and st- stayed with that. Does yeah. he go outside that family? Does he promote from within? A big decision coming from Marcus Freeman, who's getting ready for year two as head coach at Notre Dame. Dr. David Chow will join us a bit later in today's show. And one of the things I'll bring up with him is con- uh, the concussion protocol and the NFL saying that the concussions are up, uh, up 18% uh, year to year uh, across the league. I'll also, like, the, the attention on concussions took over the top place of the mantle again because COVID had, over the last two seasons especially, been the focus, focus of uh, the media's attention. Now the headline is all about concussions again with Tua, and rightfully so, with Tua and, and how things have been handled with their protocol, the adjustment midseason. This is uh, a headline because it's up, but it's also because it's a more uh, specific protocol that's in place than what we've seen. It took Tua a month to pass protocol that just recently from his most recent one. Teddy Bridgewater cleared concussion protocol, and they still held him out the following week at quarterback. Point being, it's uh, a much more documented injury than it even was to start the season. I'm not surprised with that, with the 18% increase. No, I'm not either. And um, I think that this is going to sound weird, but I think an increase in noted Mm -hmm. concussions is a good thing for the sport because it means that we're just catching more of them. As long as you're, as long as the protocol is being followed to get that player back healthy before returning, right? Like that's, that's kind of the emphasis this year was, okay, was everything very specific in how Tua got back to the field, right, from that halftime. And turns out the Dolphins were not at fault. They still got rid of the independent neurologist that oversaw everything. But it's a much more strenuous process now on the teams, on the player. I mean, I, again, like the, the eye in the sky points you out for stumbling. You're out. You're done well, for that he, game. Here's an analogy. When the NCAA mattered, everyone had a compliance department. They still do. Yep. But if the compliance department was doing their job, they were finding violations. You were right. self-reporting something. So you were doing your due diligence and you were finding something you did wrong. It's a big, thick NCAA rule book. You were going to be violating something, so you had to make sure you were reporting something back to the NCAA. The fact that concussions are up is a good thing because I think it's – the medical staff probably doing their job more and everyone noticing more. And because of that, I don't think the sport is any more violent in terms of concussion risk, but I think that everyone is a little bit more 
vigilant on it. And because of that, that's why the numbers are going up. So that's what I mean by saying it's yeah. not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, Chad, uh, is it a bad thing? How many, how many times do you think Tom Brady will watch 80 for Brady? Well, he said in a tweet he would do it four times today now that he's retired. He's got a full day to, to take in the opening on this glorious Friday in early February. I want it four Tom Brady says, times. now that I'm retired, I have to time to go see 80 for Brady four separate times today. I mean... I think he's already what, seen it. Oh, for sure. I, for I do sure. think that you know he will go to a movie theater and watch it just to say that he's done it. Um, I know a lot of producers and people that will go do that to get that out of the way, to contribute to the box office. But um, I don't think he's going to see it four times a day. Well, you got the red carpet stuff that they can do. He said he was doing that on the podcast. He said he'd be going out to L.A. for that, for the, the debut or whatever. Um, I just saw a headline. What do you think the, the average is for, for like the, the average film that hits theaters? What that cast, how many times that cast actually goes to watch that movie? When I, when I say that, like they're contracted to show up on behalf of oh, whatever. For, uh, premieres? Yeah. Which there's more than one. You know, they'll fly all over the place. It depends on the movie. You know, like uh, Top Gun Maverick opens and it's got, you know, four different international openings. Yeah. They're in yeah. London and they're in Berlin and they're all over the place opening a movie like that. Uh, 80 for Brady, probably once. I think they'll have an L.A. premiere. Uh, maybe they'll have a Boston premiere with it being Patriots focused, right? So they'll go somewhere in New England for a premiere. And outside of that, so two. I think for this two. film, and I loosely call it a film, I think this film, there'll Still be film. two mandatory viewings, like Clockwork Orange, where they tape their eyelids open and force them to watch it. I did just see a headline from Entertainment Weekly. This is one of those accounts that I see some of the tweets and I always ask, why do I still follow Entertainment Weekly? But I'm glad that I'm seeing it because I'm following what I'm following right now okay. and not the okay. For You tab on, on uh, Twitter. But it says that Sally Field, in an interview, who's in the movie, says that she improvised most of her lines in the movie to show that she's not 80, she's still in her 70s. So she's making a joke that she's not lost her faculties yet. And okay. to prove that she's actually younger than the movie title, she improvised most of her comedy in it. I don't know if that's good or bad for the movie. Was the script better than what Sally Field had to offer? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, what was, the, what was the movie with Sandler and Spade and I'm trying to think of uh, Chris Rock? Grown Ups? Grown Ups. You remember how the, the build-up to the Super Bowl week when they were pushing that, oh, yeah. that movie, all of the emphasis on that movie. Um, we, I've, this feels like it's the same type of hype, but it's not going to deliver the same way. No, you know what I mean. But like the 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 the, the sports media is talking about it because it's Brady, and then you know Chad, you've got family members who can't wait to go flock to watch this multiple times. Will they see it more than than the cast will see it for premieres? I think my family members watching it this weekend will double the gross income of the movie <laughs> of our viewership okay. and listenership. I think if you listen to this, um, I saw Alejandro from uh, Outkick last night tweet out, I think jokingly, he, maybe he's going to write a review for Outkick.com, but he had the theater I list I saw this of morning. tickets that he had his ticket purchased to go see 80 for Brady. And I, I think I retweeted something like, God be with you. And someone responded and said, I think this movie's going to be terrible. Do, are you guys saying it's going to be good? And I, I responded and said, I, let me make myself clear. If you ever thought that I thought this was going to be good, it was pure sarcasm. 
Uh, I have no intentions of watching this movie. I do not think it's going to be Alejandro loves it, based on what I'm reading here. Oh, he's already written something about it? Yeah. I had to go back to make sure I didn't dream this last night, that I wasn't dreaming about 80 for Brady. Is this... Again. The movie as a whole, I'm just going to... Okay, the, the please. Full, the yeah, full give, article, me, give me a taste of the review. The full article is available at Outkick through, uh, uh, right on the front page. The movie as a whole was the Golden Girls mixed with The Hangover and all the sports scenes from Silver Linings Playbook. Oh my gosh. Chad, your thoughts? Um, this has to be sarcasm, right? The headline, Chad, is 80 for Brady is a touchdown. I'm sorry, but you can't have that headline if it's sarcasm. No, you can't. Uh, Davey, let's get Alejandro on the show at some point. I have to quiz him about this and find out if he's seriously telling the truth. If Alejandro is right, and this is a mix of, what was it, The Hangover and Golden Girls? Golden Girls, by the way, terrific. One of the best sitcoms and, and the hangover of, too. of any era was Golden Girls. I We're love, I love that earlier. show. Yes. Hangover, maybe the best comedy of the last 15 years. We were quoting that earlier too, and Golden Girls. Yes. <laughs> If it's a mixture of those two, then the movie producers did a horrible job of cutting a trailer. With the sports scenes from Silver Linings Playbook. What sports scene? In Silver Linings Playbook, it was, I mean, the sports scenes were them watching, like tailgating for Eagles games. Very, I'm trying to think of very the sports scenes games. Oh, well, all right, whatever. Um, <laughs> let's get Alejandro on. I, I, we got to quiz him about this. I'm, I'm not buying the validity of this, but I'd love to ask him questions about it. Again, the trailer was awful. There wasn't one funny line or joke in it. So if that's the case, that's the biggest redirect that I've ever witnessed. I've seen movies that are not nearly as good as the trailer. I don't know that I've ever watched anything where the trailer was that horrific and the movie was the opposite. Right? I, I mean, I agree like, with you. Like great trailers make you, that, okay to hook. bad movies look good. That's the hook. I've never seen the, a horrible trailer like that go with a good, good movie. The other thing that I'm, I'm seeing a trend of, especially on the streaming services, is the preview of that series or of the movie is just a scene from the movie. They're not actually even <clears throat> clipping it to edit a, a trailer anymore. It's just a quick scene. You're like, I, I have no idea what the show is about. There's no hook here. At least with 80 for Brady, we know it's not, not going to be good. Right? And... I mean, is Gronk funny in it? I just don't find, like, Gronk being Gronk and blowing it up with his brothers is funny to me. We'll find out. But Maybe Gronk, I'll... like, trying to be funny, I don't know that that's going to be funny. I am interested in this uh, gimmick with, uh, with FanDuel where he's going to kick the field goal live in a halftime commercial, and it's going to be, like, what, a $9 million giveaway to someone, and you can bet yeah. on whether or not he's going to hit the field goal. That's a, that's a funny idea for Gronk. But look, we'll, we'll talk to Alejandro at some point, and we'll get to the bottom of it, and maybe he can sell me what on time today? coming on the show. Oh, final hour today. Good. Final hour today. Uh, another, uh, Chad, you and David were discussing what Brady would be like in, as an actor. Alejandro Avila says, Brady manages to hold his own against the veteran actresses, especially in his scenes with Lily Tomlin. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like his verdict, like James White's final touchdown in the storied Super Bowl win, eighty for Brady just crosses the line to be a winner. Pretty sure Lily Tomlin won like the Mark Twain Award for comedy, and Alejandro is saying that Tom Brady in his theatrical debut, well, I guess not counting Ted too, that he held his own <laughs> with Lily Tomlin comedically. What are you? Uh, that's either saying a lot for Tom Brady or nothing for Lily Tomlin and her performance in this film. What are you hearing from him, Davey? Uh, 
he and I quote absolute masterpiece and he's looking forward to coming on the show oh my gosh I cannot wait I have so many questions for Alejandro so outkick movie critic Alejandro Avila says it's a masterpiece a mixture of golden girls it's a touchdown the hangover and the sports scenes from silver linings playbook yep. I can't wait to ask him about this coming up uh from movie critic to actor, John McClane. <laughs> From uh, movie critic to movie if star. The, if the sports scenes were this good, John McClane should have been in this film. He's got so many good stories uh, from the James Franco picture, uh, Spring Breakers, that he can share with us as he played the judge. And he's got details on why D'Amico Ryans is the Houston Texans head coach and not the head coach of the Denver Broncos. John McClane next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, glad you're with us for Outkick 360, and we're always glad to have John McClain with us from gallerysports.com. Oh, I rarely do this, but can I jump in yes. and address John first here? Because yes. I've got to ask him the first question. Yes. John, you are a star of film, and uh, you've been in many movies. We've been having this discussion about 80 for Brady and how I think it looks terrible. And we've got a writer at Outkick who swears it is great. He said it's a mixture of Golden Girls... The Hangover, and the sports sequences in Silver Linings Playbook. And we're going to have him on later to discuss his <laughs> review of, of this movie. Um, I have to ask, were you approached about being in this film also? No, I'm not 80 yet. If I'd have been 80, they might have approached me. And I would have had one of the, one of the women as my love interest. I would have taken Jane Fonda. But no, they left me out. All the other reviews I'm reading about it are terrible. And they said Brady's just awful. You'd think with all the cameras he's been around and all the media and all the publicity, he would be a natural to be in a movie. It sounds cute, and I'm sure it is if you're a fan of Brady or any of the four actresses. I'm guessing a lot of Patriot fans will go see it. Well, and John, I ask because uh, you have played yourself a media member in a bunch of sports movies and so, he's had a love interest with selena gomez and yeah, yes yes he has so you never know you can't put john in a box in terms of his no roles but most of the time you're playing yourself or a media member so it's not that far-fetched to think that maybe you were going to be in this movie also well i was a judge in spring breakers i was uncle jd in cook county uncle jd so i have done something more Besides just being a cameo, but it doesn't matter whether it's as a media member or a real part. If you blink, you're going to miss them. John's like Sandler. He went from, you know, the comedy to <laughs> dark, dark roles. Well, it just uh, it, and that was Cook County. It's a great film. Great film. But it's it's not it's not on the same plane as Spring Breakers. That is for sure. <laughs> no, not hardly. I was one of the few in it that weren't crystal meth addicts. Yes. That's why John plays himself. Well, when you, well, he's also very method, and he didn't want to develop a meth addiction, so he decided to not take on that part because yeah. he would have to do it to know what it's like. 
Uh, so good of John. Good on John not to take that role. John, while we're just discussing spring breakers, I'll tie it in. How was Palm Beach? Because you went and uh, you were a part of the fundraiser with Reggie Jackson. It was Mr. October's annual celebrity fundraising dinner and golf tournament. And Jim Crane, the Astros owner, who Reggie works for as a special advisor, uh, he gives him his the Floridian National Golf Club, which is one of the most exclusive in the country. And I wouldn't be able to get on the grounds if I hadn't been there. Gallery Sports sponsored the celebrity dinner the night before. So we had access to everybody. And then the next morning, there was only like four different media outlets there. You had to be invited. I got, I think, 19 interviews with Hall of Fame baseball players, football players, rappers, uh, owners. It was a great time, and I had a blast. The football players I know and I'm used to from being on the Hall of Fame selection committee for 30 years, but I got to tell you, being around a lot of those baseball players, I I was like a kid on Christmas morning, especially when I was interviewing Reggie Jackson. All those interviews are on my Twitter account and also Gallery Sports and our social media platforms. And it was it was an honor to participate in it and be part of everything Reggie Jackson has been doing with his foundation since 1997. It's amazing to stand there next to him. And he's very thin today. And he does, he's not tall. And while I'm interviewing him, I'm thinking, you had the two hardest balls that I've ever seen in baseball history, which is one of the questions I asked him. 71 All-Star game at Tiger Stadium hit the light, the lights in right center field, or it would have come down in Canada. And the one in the third one in the 77 World Series to dead center field at Yankee Stadium, halfway up the tarp, and he said the one at Tiger Stadium. Over John's career, he's covered many coaching searches, and I could say that about Houston just over the last four years uh, or so. Uh, John McClain with us, gallerysports.com. John, how did Houston end up with D'Amico Ryans? Tell us the backstory there and Denver's involvement and why D'Amico Ryans chose Houston over Denver. He played his first six years here. His wife's from here. They got married here. They're building a home here. During the pandemic, they started a home for wayward kids here. And he loves Houston, H-Town as he calls it. And I talked to him right after Lovey Smith was fired. And he wanted to come here. Everybody wanted him. He turned down the Panthers, his agent, Jimmy Sexton. He canceled interviews that were scheduled with uh, the Colts and the Cardinals. And he interviewed with the Broncos the day before he interviewed here. And he got a six-year contract for a lot of money, probably more than $30 million. They're paying the GM, Nick Serial, $30 million over six. And I think that he made no bones about it. This is where he wanted to be. They got draft capital. They've got 11 picks, two first-rounders. Next year, two first-rounders. And for the first time in years, they have money to spend under the salary cap. And when he and his wife, Jamila, walked in the entrance into the lobby of NRG Stadium yesterday, the upstairs was packed with people. The stairwells, everything was packed. Gave him an ovation. And in the auditorium, where he had 25 of his former teammates, 12 of his current players. He had a lot of people from the organization, plus it was packed with media. When he walked out on the stage, he got a huge ovation from the players. 
And he was smiling like a kid on Christmas morning. I've known him. I've stayed in touch with him. I know how much he wanted this job. And I'm glad last year that he turned down his second interview at Minnesota because he said he needed more seasoning as a coordinator, which tells you a lot about his ego and character. And I have never seen any coach unite the fan base and the media like D'Amico Ryans already has. John, are you buying the Ian Rappaport report that the Broncos circled back and tried again for D'Amico Ryans the day they ended up hiring and trading for Sean Payton? Or are you buying the Adam Schefter report that they had long given up on D'Amico Ryans being a possibility in Denver? The the Ian Rappaport report was pretty detailed. And once you decide on a coach, you're not going to admit you circle back to the other one. You're going to do the PR damage because you don't want Sean Payton get his feelings hurt. Then I'm a great coach. I've won a Super Bowl. Why would they still be interested in that guy? Can't be over money. The owner's worth $60 billion. So I don't know who to believe. It doesn't matter. And we didn't, D'Amico wouldn't say just thank the Broncos. The interviews had a lot of good people there, but this was an easy decision. And they knew, they knew after that interview, after his interview with the Texans, the next day when everybody started talking, he was going to get the job. I'd been tweeting for several days. They've hired him past tense because because I knew they were going to. And uh, it's worked out great for everybody. You know, the uh, Broncos had to give up another first and second, got a three and Payton in five years, that may be a great deal because Sean Payton thinks that he can uh, fix whatever happened last season to Russell Wilson. John McClain of Gallery Sports, our guest on Outkick 360. What do you think, John? Do you think that Russell Wilson is able to be fixed? And is Sean Payton the guy to come in there to Denver and get this franchise back to the playoffs? Early in the season, when Nathaniel Hackett was failing as a first-year coach, as bad as anybody I've ever seen. Uh, Sean Payton said on Fox, he was talking about what how they were using uh, Wilson in the wrong way. They weren't using him the way they did in Seattle with, with what he was used to. They were using him the way Nathaniel Hackett did it in Green Bay when he worked for Matt LaFleur and never called a play. So you've got to adjust to the talent. That's something D'Amico Ryan stressed at his news conference. Coaches have to adjust to the players. You can't make a player fit your system if he's not comfortable and confident. And so at the end of the season after Hackett was fired, Clint Kubiak, one of Gary Kubiak's three sons, who was a quarterback coach, they had him call plays. And all of a sudden, if you go back and look at the stats over the last few games, Russell Wilson played better. Don't know if it's because Wilson. Don't know if it's because Kubiak. Kubiak's a candidate here for offensive coordinator. But I think, yes, I don't think Russell Wilson just lost it. Although there was a very detailed story in The Athletic after he was traded about why Seattle traded him, because they believe there's things he used to do that helped make him so effective that he can't do anymore because age and the constant wear and tear on his body is keeping him from doing it. John, we haven't had a chance to talk to you since Tom Brady retired. Uh, Hutton and I were both surprised when we saw the news. We figured with everything he went through this year that all of that wouldn't just be for this one season in Tampa, losing in blowout fashion to the Cowboys to end his tenure there. Were you surprised when you saw this second retirement from Tom Brady? 
Absolutely, Chad. Like I was, like everybody else, there's been no indication he's really going to retire. I thought the reason, you know, he retired the first time, he kept talking about his family and his wife, and now he came back, then he got divorced. I wonder if they'll get back together. And a lot of people thought he was going to the Raiders. Some thought the 49ers, that he had options. But now he's going to walk away, and he's going to go to work for Fox and get a huge raise up to $37.5 million a year. We should all be so lucky. I don't think he's coming back. Nobody knows. But I'm guessing at his age, he's going to be 46 in August. He's ready to move on to what's next, and that's going to be as a as a the highest paid uh, broadcaster in history, sports-wise. He never was the highest paid quarterback, and it was his own fault because he made a lot of money anyway on and off the field. His wife, I read one time, got $80 million a year for being a supermodel and all the things she endorsed. So he took less money so they could send more free agents. But right now, I can't wait to hear him on Fox. I think he'll be good, but you never know. John McClain with us on OutKick 360. John, the reports are that Kyler Murray could be a holdup for Arizona's coaching search, pairing him with the right coach or the coach wanting to actually coach Kyler Murray. And I'll let you jump in as well on these reported 12-hour third interviews with Jim Ursay in Indianapolis. Which franchise do you think makes the hire before the other? Well, I would guess Arizona because Indy's interviewed like 15 people now. <laughs> and I think it's amazing. I don't even know if they've started the second ones. You know, Jim Ursay is known to like stay, stay up late. Yep. He likes to party and he sends out sometime tweets at 1 a.m. Write songs. If he sticks with Jeff Saturday. Yeah. Ooh. People up there are going to be so disappointed. They started a petition not to get Saturday back. I feel bad for Saturday, but I can't imagine they're not going to hire somebody else. Chris Ballard, the general manager, is probably just biding his time so he can get out of there. So I'm guessing Arizona needs to be the one to pull the trigger. But Kyler Murray, remember, they said he likes to study his game plan watching video games. And they put that clause in his contract saying he had to study X amount of time. They took it out when it got bad publicity. But if you're doing that, that shows it's an issue. I've heard from a couple of former players there that he works really hard on practice film and games, but he just doesn't like studying a game plan because he's so used to doing things off schedule. That's why he's done it his whole life. Somebody's not open, boom, make a play. That could be running, throwing, or throwing up her uh, throwing on the run. John, you bring up a, an interesting point about Jeff Saturday. We, you know, we feel bad for him because of the petition. He's receiving a lot of criticism, but he's still there. He hasn't removed his name. He wants the job. Uh, he's willing to put up with the criticism and everyone uh, just, I mean, it's an inside joke now. It's a running joke that Ursay and Saturday uh, have had this plan all along. The fact he's putting up with it, I, I mean, I'm thinking, why didn't he get into coaching earlier? if he's this diehard about wanting to be a head coach in the NFL? Maybe he had. Maybe he was offered like an assistant offensive line coach job, which is where you have to learn a pos assistant position coach, then you move up. And Saturday's a great guy. He's a great talker. Yes. He's a really good player. One of Peyton Manning's best friends. I'll always liked him on ESPN. 
and he won that first game, and then it was terrible the rest of the way, and then they lost to the Texans in the last game at home, and that was the ultimate indignity. But maybe the, he didn't get a lot of criticism as a player because those teams won. But the fact he's sticking it out, maybe Jim Mercer has told him, we'll have a place for you in the organization, get a little more seasoning, maybe working personnel, or I don't see how you can be an assistant coach for a new coach. Right. But I feel bad the way he's been kicked around by the fans and the media through no fault of his own, just the fact that Ursay counts him as a candidate. Derek Carr is going to be playing elsewhere um, after the he, he finishes with uh, the, the Pro Bowl. Um, but I, I find it interesting. There, there, he's not going to extend the February 15th deadline. I don't blame him. He wants to play elsewhere and he wants a fresh start. Why don't you think the Raiders have allowed him to at least discuss a trade option with another team yet? Because they haven't, according to reports and according to Carr. Who knows uh, how they operate? His his agent should have been given permission. The fact is, you know, they're doing stuff illegal behind the scenes just sure. in case. He don't. He wants to be released, so because he knows nobody's going to pick up that contract. So if he's released, you know, he's playing chicken with the front office. And Derek Carr wants to go somewhere where they think he is the missing link between a playoff team and non-playoff team. And the Jets would be one. The Jets are in a pither now because they think they're going to trade for Aaron Rodgers. And uh, so those are the two big quarterbacks right now. Both cause, cause compensation. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't. But he's still recovering from another injury. So we've got three veteran quarterbacks who could be on the move. Although it wouldn't surprise me if Aaron Rodgers is not back in Green Bay because I think all the information people who are on TV and social media and talk shows, they like using Rodgers, all this mystery about him because it gets a lot of attention, much more so than any other quarterback. John, what do you think about the reunion uh, between the Patriots and Bill Belichick and your old buddy Bill O'Brien, now headed back to be their offensive coordinator? Kind of like that was one of the worst kept secrets in the NFL. It's even worse than uh, Kamiko Ryan's coming back to Houston. O'Brien did a good job there. He started wide receivers, worked his way up to coordinator. Tom Brady loves the guy. When Bill was here, it seemed like the Texans played the Patriots every year because they kept finishing in first place. Anytime Brady talked about him, we'd almost have to cut him off. He was so good. And it was it was informative, insightful, analytical about why. Bill O'Brien has done a good job. I think he's going to help Mac Jones, and he needs it. And uh, I'm happy for him. He want to get back in the NFL. He made a two-year commitment to Nick Saban. Saban knew it. He knew it. I think he wants to be a coach again in the NFL. The best way to do that is get back to the NFL, try to be successful. John, just briefly, I know Albert Breer, um, his opinion was that Chicago was going to trade out at number one. And with Houston being at number two, your perspective on – do the Texans feel like they need to move up to ensure they get their guy? Is it already, I mean, is, is that the mindset? Or do you have to wait a little while to see what the price tag would be with other teams willing to jump up there if you're Chicago? That's kind of thing's not going to happen for a long time. Texans are guaranteed to get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, whichever one they like, or maybe they like Will Levis. But it also says, and this is something everybody loves, D'Amico Ryans, and I said, well, what if he says with the second pick, I want Jalen Carter or Will Anderson Jr. And we'll just ride with Davis Mills another season or we'll sign Jimmy Garoppolo. We don't know what's happened because he's just gotten here. But what I do believe is they'll get a quarterback with the first pick and the 12th overall pick, 
that they got from the Browns for Watson. I've been thinking would be a big-time receiver. Now I think it's going to be a defensive lineman because with the 49ers, he had three number ones in the defensive line, none, none in the back seven. So they need a tackle or guard. So I think they'll get a quarterback and a defensive lineman in the first round. Any coaches he's bringing with him so far? Not so far. He's interviewed. A lot of talk about Bobby Slowick, passing game coordinator of the 49ers, who's been with Kyle Shanahan in Washington and every year in San Francisco from 2017, when also that D'Amico Ryans was there. Uh, they've got a really good defensive line check uh, called uh, Kuchurik, and uh, he's a great defensive line coach. Maybe he wants to be a coordinator. I don't know. And then, as I mentioned earlier, Clint Kubiak could be a candidate to come back to Houston, his home, and where his dad lives. Maybe he could talk his old man to quit fishing so much and drive his tractor so much on his farm and come back and help him coach. John, have a great weekend. We will catch up with you next Tuesday, and we will preview all things Super Bowl 57. We're looking forward to it. Jonathan and Chad Lack, I, love, I can't wait. Thank you guys very much, and have a great weekend. Yep, there's John McClain. Gallerysports.com is where you can find him. Normally on Tuesdays, he's been with us Fridays based on the schedule. Back on schedule next week with us talking Super Bowl 57. Chad, it's inevitable. February 2nd, Groundhog Day, and <laughs> there's a, a story out of Canada that's uh, a little sad. Well, first off, I learned today that america is not the only country that celebrates groundhog day we'll, we'll discuss okay. I, I didn't know that there was other other groundhog days than the one with poxitani phil and the movie that was 30 years ago this year that we celebrate um yeah we're gonna learn a lot okay in the next segment it's gonna be very educational i'm looking forward to it I can't, just, can't wait is it mexico <laughs> that's next on outkick 360 Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, um, you bring video to the show today? I did. I've got some video aids uh, to the show today. Okay. So first Groundhog off, I, I didn't know that Groundhog Day was anything more than uh, an American holiday, right? Sort of a made-up one of our... It's what we do, and it's, a lot of it's great. But a made-up American holiday that somehow signifies the weather because of a groundhog peeping up out of a hole and seeing their shadow or not. But what I found out was, in fact, Hutton, Canada mm. has a Groundhog Day. Really? And if you ever wanted to know what it sounded like in, uh, in Quebec with a French-Canadian broadcast <laughs> when they report that the Groundhog on Groundhog Day was, in fact, discovered to be dead, <laughs> this is exactly what it sounds like. Cette année, ça va se passer complètement différemment. Tu sais, dans la vie, il y, y a un dicton qui dit, dans la vie, il y a juste une chose de sûre, c'est qu'il n'y a rien de sûr. Ben, cette année, c'est vrai. C'est vrai, c'est malheureux. Euh, Je vous annonce 
La mort de Fred. Is that weeping? That was weeping, and that was some <laughs> upset people at the end of it. So, Hutton, Groundhog Day, right? The the It's stupid. It, whatever. Groundhog jumps out of the shadow, or jumps out of the hole, sees their shadow or not, signifies something. What does it signify if the groundhog is dead oh. in the hole? The apocalypse? 12 more months of COVID, I guess, in Canada. I don't know. <laughs> A pandemic? Yeah. I, is I, this how we could have cut COVID off before it started? <laughs> Is there another country that has a Groundhog Day? And if that Groundhog was dead, was there, a, was there a signal that we missed? That there was a dead Groundhog somewhere? Did you know that there were other countries that had no, Groundhog Day? No. And there are other states that, that do this other than Philly. Uh, other than Pennsylvania, I'm saying. Um, because I saw tweets where like, uh, there was a Groundhog that actually did not see its shadow, apparently. I don't think I've, have you, do you recall the groundhog not seen its shadow? Look, and the, staying? the best thing, I don't about, recall that. The best thing about Groundhog Day is that it's over. <laughs> is the movie, first off, that's why we like it, I think, is okay. the Bill Murray movie, which is hilarious. Um, I agree. Also, it's like an elementary school thing. My memory of even caring I mean, about Groundhog Day was I remember on Groundhog Day in like second or third grade. We would do something big for Groundhog Day, and it was a you know a cute furry groundhog, and you're a little kid and you like it. Does anyone actually? The amount of people that show up in that Pennsylvania the town—it's only enormous. It's only the United States and Canada, according to Wikipedia. Okay. That celebrate this. Uh, this and they wonderful celebrate animal. in French, also yeah. <laughs> apparently in Quebec. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know how this came to be, but Chad, I, it doesn't mean. Uh, it doesn't mean great things for Canada, the fact that their groundhog came out uh, and was not alive, and ours was. Am I reading this correctly also, Davey, that the groundhog's name was Fred? So, Frederick. Not Jacques or Francois. I feel like if you're going to have a French-Canadian groundhog and name yes. it Fred, that's just ridiculous. It's, it's Poxitani Phil in the United States. That makes sense. I can grapple Especially with in that, Quebec. right? Yes. That, like, does, that makes no sense. How is Fred? It? It's Fred Lamarmont. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. Say that one more time, please. Fred Lamarmont. Lamarmont. But it's still Fred. Yeah. 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 Not good. I mean, they they should they could do better. They could also do better by not killing the groundhog. We should we should put that out there as well. well. The, Keep the, the groundhog, the groundhog died during winter, apparently. <laughs> I didn't take it to mean like they scooped <laughs> it's a, it out it's and a corpse. Accidentally they, they killed the groundhog. They were paying tribute to De Blasio. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the oh. jokes here are great, but the, the, uh, I mean, the, the kids in the background, when they heard that the groundhog was dead, they had a press <laughs> conference to announce this. You could hear a, a slight shriek from mm -hmm. a woman in the crowd in the beginning. Yes. And then they just got very depressed at the end of the reading. <laughs> okay. I love the guy also. Is that the mayor of the town? He's reading from like an ancient scroll from it. Well, we've got the... Dead Sea Scrolls are there. <laughs> He's reading in French, but we got the reports on the groundhog, and apparently it's dead. The but, groundhog's so, dead, guys. But if you're, if you're doing that event, let's just be honest here, you've got to have a second groundhog that's a stand-in. No different than a magician when they used to kill the bird, you know, and they have the other bird ready to go when you collapse the hat and it's in the hat. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. There's always a second bird. Like... You bring out, or a pigeon, you bring out the uh, second groundhog and you just act like that's the groundhog that, that came out of its uh, burrow. So It's not that hard. In, you don't uh, announce to the children that the groundhog's dead. I'm thinking of the uh, Christopher Nolan movie with that, uh, The Majestic, 
where they have the dead birds and the magicians going back and yes. the prestige. The prestige. The prestige, yes, not the majestic. Very good. I, Majestic's about an old movie theater with Jim Carrey, I believe. I did some more research and it turns out they just picked up a child and held the child up after not being able to have a groundhog. Well, like Michael Jackson when he held his baby over the hotel balcony, that L- type of thing. Little blanket, yeah. Yeah. Um, Chad just brought up a child and Michael Jackson in the same sentence. I didn't no. know where he was going there. <laughs> Stay tuned. In the final hour of the show, it's going to get real weird uh, when we move into that territory. No, it's, it's just, if you notice the sea of people in Poxitani yeah. where this happens, oh, yeah. it's crazy. And I'm looking at it, Hutton, and I'm thinking, are these just the townspeople that it's their civic duty to show up to this? So everyone in that town Probably. shows up yeah. and that's that, that many people? Or do yeah. people actually travel... I'm sure annually some do. to go to the Groundhog Day festivities. I'm sure some do, but I would. All, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a community event. Let's put it that way. It's on the calendar. I mean, can you imagine circling the calendar and saying, on February second, we know we're going to be every year. We're going to Pennsylvania. Well, not every year. Go I don't know if there's people Day. that go every year. I'm saying like you, they just mark and say that's my bucket list item. I got to be there. I, I don't know when that groundhog comes out of the hole. I got to be there for that. This is it's like going to the the Masters or the Super Bowl <laughs> is Groundhog Day. Coming up, well, we or going to see eighty for Brady for the first time, like a or the fourth time, like an Brady upcoming today. guest of ours that's going to talk about it. And then we got another guest who's going to react Avila. to that guest, yeah. and we'll get her opinion on the Once eighty for Brady trailer. Alejandro Avila reviewed this film for Outkick, and he says it's a masterpiece. That's coming up in about 20 minutes. When we come back, Dr. David Chow joins us. Pro Football Doc, preview the big injuries headed into the Super Bowl next week. That's next.